David Liljegren is the CEO of ADK America, where he leverages nearly three decades of experience in helping healthcare organizations and physicians harness the power of branding and communication to navigate through change and achieve growth. Throughout his career, David has helped such corporations as Hisamitsu Pharmaceuticals, GE Healthcare IT, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida, and the Nielsen Company powerfully translate brand strategy into concrete organizational action. We discuss identifying our brand and how to best market this, how to find our audience, and how to market without cheapening our brand or the profession. We talk merch and how COVID has affected marketing medical practices. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. David Littlegren, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, Bradley, thank you very much for having me. It's, a great, it's great to be here. So my first question is, how do we identify our personal brand as physicians, or rather what we want it to be? So, you know, how do we explore our own identities and determine how, what we want our brand to be or become? And then once we identify that, how do we develop it without, say, cheapening the profession? Oh, absolutely. Great question. I think the first thing I think the first thing I would ask you is what do you want your brand to do? Is it a matter of differentiating you from other physicians that are doing exactly what you want to do or are you new to a market and you're just beginning something and you want to get your awareness out there and your credibility out there? I think these are some of the important sort of business questions that have to be asked of anybody building a brand, a physician or or a large corporation, multinational, is this is a tool. So what does it actually want to, what do you want to be known for? And why is that important to both you and your patients? So I think there's a, there's, there's, there's a skill set that has to be focused on and the matter of asking hard questions of what is this one or two things you want to be known for? Because you can't be known for everything. You have to choose. And that's the hardest thing that most, most of my clients uh, have to wrestle with is, is, is narrowing down that choice of all those things they want to talk about and picking on one or two things and staying on script for a while because getting known for something takes time. So we first have to think about what our skills are. What are we bringing to the table that differentiates us from other physicians, either in our specialty or just at large? Yeah. And we have to take a realistic look at ourselves to know what our limitations are and maybe not making one of those things. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the, one of the important things that one of my mentors years ago told me is you can't outdrive your headlights, right? So you, you've got to, you don't want your brand to sort of so limit you, you, you put yourself in a box, right? That, that doesn't allow you to grow and move as you have good ideas and want to expand maybe your practice into sort of adjacent areas. But you also can't leap too far away in that, that others, sorry, I have an ambulance driving past. <laughs> Don't worry, audience, it's not an ambulance coming for him. It's just, no, no, it's, no, it's no, outside, no. yeah. He's no, okay, he's okay. That's okay, we're all good. We have a few of those every now and then. So yeah, so you can't go too far away from what you're known on. So you have to be able to practice what you preach. So that's a very important thing. So be real to who you are and then sort of but push that a little bit so you know that you've got room to grow. So if you want to deepen a practice uh, area or a specialty in your practice and become known for that, 
don't create a brand that's so narrow that it doesn't naturally extend into that, allowing that growth to happen. Now, the, the other important thing which people forget about branding is there's really two sides to it. One side is those sort of things, let me call them positioning attributes, those sort of two or three things you want to become known for. And then there's how you say that. So that's the personality side of branding. So you may sit down as a physician and say, you know what? I'm kind of like these other five people. We do kind of the same thing. We're trained in the same specialties. Our goal at a certain level is the same. Now what? How do I differentiate myself? Well, the other side to it be, well, you could be just in the way you approach things different. You just, your whole personality and style of doing business could be different. So you could do exactly the same thing, but you're appealing to a different group of people because maybe they want you to be a little goofy, a little fun, a little uh, more approachable. Maybe you're specializing in kids. So the whole area gets a different kind of look and feel than it would be if you're if you're walking in and you want to position yourself as a, a thought leader, a complete expert, uh, those sorts of things. So they always think about these two sides to the brand. It's what's that core set you want to be known for? And then how do you tell that story consistently so it actually builds over time? So you, we talked about earlier, you used to live in New York. I live in New York right now. It's where I grew up. And I remember these advertisements from Dr. Zismore, this dermatologist who advertised everywhere. He was on the subways. He yeah, was on television. Yeah. <laughs> and you remember the, his ads because they would always say, thank you, Dr. Zismore. And, you know, I would think, who finds their physician this way? Who finds their physician on a subway ad? Like, what, what is going on here? And, you know, certainly things have evolved since then, and now it's become more socially acceptable. But, but at the same time, like, you know, McDonald's and Coca-Cola advertise on TV. Sure. Is this really where people find their physicians by, on, on advertisements? Is, I, is that... I see hospital systems doing that. And maybe it's a little different because it's personal, but individual doctors or practices, doesn't that take away something from the profession itself? Well, I, again, I think I was, I'm always going to circle us back to what do you want to be known for, right? So it really depends. Like Dr. Zismo, he was a dermatologist. He wasn't maybe dealing in life-threatening issues. There was a lot of maybe cosmetic surgery. He was appealing to a broad mass of people. Maybe the kinds of procedures he were doing were fairly quickly done, in, out kind of things. And scale, mass, was actually what he was trying to build. He had to get a fairly large set of uh, people coming to him on a regular basis to sort of make the economics of his practice work. Now, roll that to the other side of somebody who wants to be known for, I'm just picking something, incredibly skilled cancer surgeon right? They're not interested in mass. They're not interested in broad awareness amongst the general population. They want to be known for a highly specialized skill set, a practice craft that they've been working on their entire career. And that's a very different set of positioning with a very different set of challenges that you would want to do. Now, you asked another question of how do people get to know these things? Well, over the years, the world has completely been turned upside down by the, by the internet, right? So, uh, who do you turn to for advice and how do you weigh the different opinions that you are now exposed to as searching for something as complicated as healthcare advice? I've, I remember I've done lots of interviews with doctors and uh, sort of sitting back and saying, hey, what's one of the things that kind of frustrates you in your, in your practice? And the number of times I've heard Dr. Google, 
coming the first thing out of their mouth. I no longer have the ability to just diagnose and recommend my best procedure to my patient based on my skill set, based on my understanding of their concision. I now have to sell my recommendation to my consumers and sort of because they're coming in with all of these preconceived ideas that they've already researched. So the whole world of communications is upside down. And I would argue, and this is one of the reasons why we started ADK Health, is that in the healthcare profession, and I don't really care if you're a provider, an RX uh, pharmaceutical company, OC, OTC pharma company, or a hospital system, the need for clear communication is exponentially more important than it was 10 years ago. Helping the people that you want to serve work out why they should come to you, why are you relevant in the conditions they're facing, and how do they access you? And then also flipping that coin around, how do you take advantage of these opportunities? How do you speak to become known for the things that you want to be known for? So you had mentioned that the world was turned upside down with social media because people now have, or the internet rather, because people now have access to the democratization of information and also misinformation. But this also lets us be more strategic about our marketing, right? Instead of advertising on CBS, and just having to reach a broad swath of the population, we can now be more surgical, right, to use a medical term, in our yep. strikes to, to access our patients. So how can we best take advantage of social media? And should we be, right? Should we be putting ourselves on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter? Is that an effective place to reach our patients and our it's, referring doctors? It's a slippery slope. And I would I would counsel anybody I'm talking to to, to consider very carefully taking a step into social media. And in some in some instances, it's just a requirement based on the, the world we live in. But the key about social media is once you're in, you're in. You have to focus on it. You have to be there. You have to manage that conversation. And that takes time. And, and I think generally, pretty much across the board, every one of my clients has underestimated the commitment they're going to have to put in to manage that conversation in, once they get there. Now, you started the question by asking something slightly different. Is should we be should we be looking there? What are the advantages to uh, to doctors or any company of the world of the internet, of the world of social media? And I think one of the interesting things that happens is this notion of community development. And if you roll back to when before I had gray hair, the notion of community was, you know, 10 blocks every direction you can possibly point. And that was your local group. You became known in that and that was pretty much it. And then it got sort of got a little bit bit broader, right? Maybe it became your town, your city, your state, whatever. Or maybe you associated strongly with the local football team or the ice hockey team or something like that. Your nature of community changes. I think one of the interesting things that's happened with the online world is communities can form around all sorts of things. So, for example, for for a doctor who wants to sort of tap into a conversation, you can now look for something very, very specific and align yourself with the content that's being required and searched for on the internet or through social media. So not only are you then out there in a community of just general, where maybe that's just yelling out to everybody who happens to walk past your door, you're also actually now engaging with people who are actively searching for what you want to do and what you want to be. So this gets me right back to know what you want to be known for right at the beginning. So that will help you make the choices of where you want to put the effort to build your brand. 
Can you give an example? Because the place that my mind goes, being an ear, nose, and throat doctor, is that like having a Facebook group of people with ear, nose, and throat problems, right? But we don't want to be giving advice over the internet. No. Um, so, so can you give us an example of aligning yourself with something, aligning yourself with a, a cause or a community? Sure. There are lots of examples of uh, organizations out there around disease states, companies that are actually putting information out there. You don't necessarily engage in a conversation out there, but in your specialty, you probably know there's, there's you know, hey, if, if my patient knew these three things before they walked into the office, we could probably get to the solution 50 times faster. Well, that's an exaggeration. Okay, maybe that's the kind of thing you want to think about putting out there somehow. If you've got a website out there, maybe there's just three important things you should know if you think this is it. And helping to curate the information. Think about all of that information. I go to Google, I type in something, and, and all of a sudden I'm hit with thousands of pages of reference. And I don't really know anything. I'm the average patient who's suddenly being diagnosed or I suspect I have something. And all of a sudden, I, I'm hit with a deluge of stuff. How do I know? How do I know what's right and what's wrong? How do I know what's marketing material, you know, versus real clinical advice that I should be paying attention to? Now, there's lots of sort of uh, authorities out there, Mayo Clinic, the CDC, all of these things. And I say those and I rattle off every acronym I can possibly think of when it comes to some of these bodies. But I'm in a fairly educated space now, having worked in healthcare and around healthcare companies for the last 25 years. So, but the average consumer who isn't in that space, they're not engaged in this as a normal part of their conversation. They enter into these conversations in a completely different way. So for example, with you and your practice, if you have a brand and it's out there and people sort of know you already, one would assume or one would hope the way you've been building and curating your brand is building a trust base, right? So a little bit of knowledge. Hey, if I've got a question about this, I'm going to come and see Brad. He's going to know that. Well, maybe one of the first things they do with everybody now booking online or, or not being able to go anywhere, maybe they go to your site and you've got a little bit of information about something that's that you're passionate about. So there's nothing wrong with putting that up there. Uh, just, to, just to show your interest, show your passion, show where you want to go. Because in a way, if you think about it this way, your website becomes almost a self-filtering device of who walks in through your door. So if you actually craft your website or your digital presence in a way that you want to, again, be known for something that you really think is important, then that becomes a, that helps you in making sure the people who are getting through all of these different hurdles they have to jump to are sort of almost self-filtering before they get to you. And that's how some of this can help you. And I guess you could also similarly align yourself with an authority, like start writing articles for WebMD. So Absolutely. people know that your content is there, therefore reputable. Oh, 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 that's my doctor. Oh, I'm reading this article and I know this, I know this person or I've heard that name before. Right. Oh, I think this doctor is, uh, you know, two towns down from me. So, or that practice. So yeah. aligning yourself with e e even other authorities. And I guess that's more social proof. Absolutely. Because again, you, you build sort of credibility off the brands you're associated with. So you're right. If you're in it, WebMD, someone Googles a condition, up comes an article or a discussion from you, rather than you being this unknown resource that they've just stumbled upon, well, the assumption is that WebMD has curated the content that they're pointing you to, so you must have some credibility and authority and stature around this conversation as well. 
So again, it's it's sort of building those connections and networks and establishing these communities of interest that actually can help you build your brand. Now, a lot of that gets very sophisticated and time consuming and all these sorts of things. So I would sort of, again, with anybody who's listening to this, go back to one of those questions of what do you want your brand to do for you? What does it have? What It's a tool. So really think about, is it a blunt object? You don't really care. Or is it a really pinpoint sharp scalpel that you're looking for just that that, that few set of people that you're really after? Now, the dermatologist you mentioned, he was a little bit more of a blunt object. He wanted as many people as he possibly could to hear about him and turn up to his centers to get some treatment, right? And it That's worked. Choice. It 30 worked. years later, we're still talking about it. Well, exactly. And that's that's one of the things. There is no there is no right or wrong position in branding. It's just what you what you want your brand to do and can you stick to it and support it long term? Because this stuff takes time to build. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you get it right, it can really help you because it takes a lot of the worry away from your marketing. It's 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 there, right? It's almost like a, a credit you're building in a bank. Have have you seen any changes to either how brands are changing their budgets or changing their marketing strategies since COVID? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, that This is going to be, 2020 is going to be a year for the textbooks. It will be a, people, I, I laugh with some of my team is that, uh, you know, hold on tight because people will be writing dissertations about you in about 15 years time, about everything that went on in this time. We're living through, I mean, granted, it's, it's a shocking time, but it really is fascinating uh, of what's going on out there. So yes, there's been impact. From my healthcare client's perspective, so there's never been such a large focus on health. People are talking about all the nuances that are in healthcare, from from insurance through to disease management, from uh, general life health to COVID, how do I react to that? And and there is a general set of engagement and awareness that is, I think, unprecedented uh, and so widespread right now. There are organizations that have uh, suffered greatly through this, where you know the shift of dollars and the shift of uh, of emphasis has moved against them. And they've really struggled. So they've pulled back. Uh, they, they've pulled back in their marketing efforts. They're kind of, many of my clients have kind of adopted a wait and see moment because everyone's sort of going, all right, well, what is this slippery thing called COVID going to do over the next couple of months? Um, and a lot of them have kind of sat back and said, yeah, it's uh, end of August. Um, the end of year's in sight. We're going to roll this one out. And let's hope 2021 is a is a very different beast. So a lot of them are sort of going, they're holding their breath and, and sort of getting through it. Now, those that have something to do with COVID are obviously having a different kind of stance. If they've got information around it, if they happen to be producing material that's beneficial to the treatment of it, those are having a different, a different business experience through this moment than others. So it's a very broad question and you really have to slice and dice it by the individuals uh, and the experience that they're having because it's, it's so different for everybody. Fair enough. So I, I heard you speaking in another podcast about how you, the United States is maybe, maybe unique is too strong a word, but one of the only countries where there's direct to consumer advertising of medications, uh -oh. right? And it's <laughs> right. It's, 
you're from Australia. That's where you, yes. right? That's where you grew up. And but you you work for an international organization. You're exposed to how how many different countries do this, and we're the only ones that can advertise drugs to patients. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't have full 100% global transparency into that, but we're one of the few developed Western nations that do allow it. Yes. So, are there regulations? So clearly, a lack of regulation there. But are there regulations that we as physicians practices, hospital systems, health systems do need to contend with in our advertising and our marketing? Yes, there are standards of care that apply to anyone in healthcare, uh, and they have to be fairly rigorously controlled. And uh, there's a number of governing bodies that would sit down and sort of give you guidance of that. And even to, to a certain extent, the networks themselves have their own sort of standards that they hold uh, marketers uh, and brands to in, in the healthcare space. Uh, again, it, it, it becomes extremely specific around some of the things that you want to do. But I, I find the general rule of thumb is, again, don't outdrive your headlights, say what is true and meaningful. And as you're getting out there, and if you, the more specific you come around a clinical practice or anything like that, you, you've got to be able to back it up. You have to have, uh, in many cases, you'll be asked for evidence. In many cases, you'll be asked to sort of justify why you think you can say this. So you have to be very, very careful. And you know, just take it step by step. I'm sorry. It's it, again. It's very. It's a highly regulated space, and and to be honest, even some of the states are different between the national and federal things. So, for anybody out there considering doing this, I would definitely say consult someone who knows the local communications environment fairly well to understand just sort of the rules of the road to see what you can and cannot say. So. It's interesting that you would describe it that way because I see a lot of advertising in my social media feeds in maybe not the physician space, but the wellness space. Yes. Right. And there's a, there's a fine line between the two, although sometimes there are, they are doctors, they may not be physicians or they may be physicians making claims that to me seem unfounded, that seem a little extreme, that seem like they're really not based in the paradigms of the allopathic medicine that I was taught, that I understand. Yeah, and the, um, definitely there are there are rules and regulations that govern what they can say. In fact, there's a number of uh, fairly high-profile uh, cases right now, especially as you start to consider some of the uh, advertisers that have leapt into the cannabis and cannabis oil kind of spaces, and some of the claims supplements as opposed to OTC drugs or RX drugs. There are very definite rules and guidelines about what you can actually claim as efficacious to the product that you're selling, which is why I'm sort of saying, just tread carefully as you go in here. The governing bodies are coming down much harder than they ever have on spurious claims, which is why you've seen some of these companies be sort of asked, been sent cease and desist letters from the FDA about making over claiming what their products can do. So if you're in the supplements world, you can't make health claims. You have to, but if you're in the OTC world, you're governed what's called by the monograph, which is sort of like a, a set of claims that have been established by the FDA that are linked to the ingredients that are in your product. And then you have the cases for RX drugs, which go through a process called a, an NDA, which the drug itself and the compounds within the drug are then reviewed by the organizations. You have to come at that with clinical evidence to justify that this drug is safe and effective and can actually perform to the level that it can. So there are there are differing processes and standards held in place. They're all very rigorous. I would say that there is a real and sincere effort to sort of protect the consumer, but there's so much out there. And again, even to the extent that some of the 
the protocols or rules that used to be in place 10 years ago are getting a little bit wobbly, a little bit gray right now. For example, one of the rules that has been out there for a long time is that anybody in a white lab coat, which could be a doctor or a pharmacist, can only be reserved for the marketing on, on a national, on a TV commercial for an RX drug. That protocol has been definitely eroding. So now you're starting to see some OTC brands trying to leverage the opportunity of using doctor and maybe they've become, maybe they have such widespread use, they have been able to claim doctor recommended in their advertising and things like this. So you're now seeing some of these old protocols start to sort of uh, fragment a little bit. Some of that is due by this just pure scale of communication that's out there on YouTube, on the internet, and all of these places that people can go that they can put up a video about whatever they want to talk about and it becomes public, uh, public domain. So the, there is a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. There's even informal protocols that marketers have to think about. It's complex. Uh, and as I said, uh, happy to help have that conversation with someone, but it's uh, you should approach it very carefully and think about again, what it is you're trying to achieve, how many resources are you prepared to put behind this? And what's the return on this that you're really trying to get? So, How do we figure out the return? Right. How do we collect the data to tell if a particular intervention has been effective, however we choose to define effective? Like, how are we defining return on investment or ca- rather calculating return on investment? And, and I hate to be repetitive, but I'm bringing you right back to that first thing that I said is, what do you want your brand to do for you? And that's, that's literally the first thing that we have to think about is, how do you define success? Uh, like in seats. Butts in seats. So that might be yours. Uh, uh, it might be someone else. I want to become incredibly well known for this amazing treatment protocol that I've developed and is just the bee's knees in XYZ state, right? So who do you need to be famous with? What does famous mean is, uh, for you and your business? Those are all of the things that start to define the metrics. Now, it's, it's, it's very hard in the professional space to draw a straight line in many cases to ROI. Like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're sitting out there and you've got a uh, general packaging product or something and you're throwing out on television, then you can very quickly monitor sales. Did it work or did it crash? And within, you know, a few weeks, maybe you can say, hey, this is really working. Look at how my sales profile is going. Not so easy when it comes to the professional space and and especially not so easy when it comes to the health space because you're waiting for that moment when your patient sees the need. So you could be being quite effective, but they just don't right now feel they need to talk to you. So the straight line between building your brand and seeing an immediate return on it is, is somewhat hazy. And I think if anybody can actually sort of work it out in a formula, then there are loads of business schools out there that will hire you to be on the lecture circuit for a long time. I don't have any magic source for it, which is why, why when I have these conversations, I will literally say the things I'm saying to you right now is let's have a real conversation of what this brand needs to do for you and your practice. Then we can talk about how we understand measures of success. Then we can talk together about what does it mean to invest in that process of putting resources against building your brand. And resources can be time, they can be dollars, they can be commitments, um, but all of that needs to be worked out sort of before you go on this path because you want to be in control of your brand. You don't want someone else to define it by default. So let's use a specific example. Sure. My practice, ENT Uh-oh. and Allergy Associates. We're, we're, we're a large practice. 
We have 200 plus doctors. Every office has a number of ENTs and one allergist. And our, our motto is call us today, see us today, right? Sure. Because we have enough doctors that we're able to get people in quickly, right? Okay. And a lot of their needs are urgent. Okay. Got a really bad sore throat. You got a peritonsillar abscess. You're having a nosebleed. You're having a sinus infection. You have an ear infection. Whatever it is, it needs to be looked after now. Right. Some of these patients will, will go to urgent care and they can be treated well in urgent care. But some of these patients really should be coming to us. An example would be like a foreign body in the nose, a foreign body in the ear, or ah, really- you parent you. <laughs> <laughs> no, as a doctor, my kids, my kids, I haven't had to take anything. I did get uh, a call from right. camp and I just, and my wife just said, their dad's an ear, nose and throat doctor. Just he'll, he'll take care of it when they get home. Don't worry about it. Uh, but there was nothing there. But you know, the, these are things that we can do quickly and easily. But sometimes what happens, like, especially with, let's say a bug in the ear, they have, you know, little, those legs, they cling onto your ear canal. They're hard to remove. And if the emergency doctor or the urgent care doctor is struggling to, to get it out, because it's, it's hard and they might not have the exact right tools. I've got 30 different grabbers and a microscope that I can use to get this thing out. Like I have, right. I have a large advantage over, over them by equipment alone, let alone experience. But what will happen is they'll make a couple of earnest, honest attempts and maybe cause some swelling, cause some pain. And so by the time it gets to me, it's, it's a little harder to take out. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm hedging. Significantly harder to take out. Yep. So how do we best get our message out? that for ear, nose, and throat problems, come to us. Call us now. Check our website. We have appointments online. We'll get you in quickly. Like, How do we get that out to the public and also let the providers know that we're a good resource for them, right? The pediatricians that see that first or the urgent care. Let them know, listen, you don't have to send them to the ER. You can send them directly to us if you think it's appropriate. Yeah. How do we let them Uh, know? So you just presented a classic challenge, right? Okay. So in the, in the short space that you were talking, when I take you back to what do you want to be known for, right? That same simple question. You ran through issues of responsiveness and immediacy, right? You didn't necessarily talk about unique skill sets at that point. You were saying, hey, we're here, but our real difference in this situation is we can get you in, we can get you out, we can get you seen to. That's a bundle of communication right there, right? Then you went on and said, all right, well, with the bug example, I've got 30 different kinds of grabbers that I can do, and I've got the experience in knowing how to get that darn thing out of here, right? That's a different set of things. Now we're talking about a a level of specialty about dealing with a very specific thing. Now, if you think about that, that's much narrower than talking about your general capabilities and actually what's really good about us, we've got so many resources, you don't have to wait. So those, so in just that simple analogy you just said, two very, very different kinds of positionings about what you want to be known for, right? Then you went one step further and started layering in audiences, right? So you, you skipped through potential patients, uh, urgent care as a facility and a location, and then you t- went and talked about maybe specialty doctors or, or pediatricians or something like that. I can't exactly remember where you went. So that's audience types, right? So what you might want an urgent care to know about you and your practice is probably a little different 
than what you want to put out there in the general consuming public. You may want to tell them more about your specialty services, still emphasizing, for example, the fact that we've got capabilities when you're pressed, when you're worried, when you're overwhelmed, we're here for you and we can get you in and out in these kind of things that we want to tell you about. So there's a different need state about what you need to tell some audiences versus the others. So again, coming back to that boring thing, what do you want your brand to do? And I'm going to layer one more layer to that and with whom? So again, what do you want to be famous for and why is that important to you? So that's some of the first conversations you should have and you can, you're going to have it with your own teams is to say, look, we've got this incredible resource. We want to go out there and advertise about it. We want to get more people in the door. To your point, you want butts on seats. What's the best way of doing that for us? What's the critical need out that I can solve through this incredible practice that I've built or am building, right? So that's a tough conversation because I can tell you right now, in when you are describing your practice and all the wonderful things you can do and the advantages of it, you can't say that in a quick moment on an ad that a consumer is going to remember. You're going to get drowned out. You need to be able to sort of say something in a very, very focused way that someone's going to remember very, very quickly. And, uh, and then you've got to stick to it. So if it is all about incredible service, amazing treatment, in and out quickly, we're available for you, that's a set of things I can talk about. Uh, if then I want to go around all the local urgent cares and put some materials in there, maybe have someone knock on a door when you can and just sort of talk about it and say, hey, just so you know, this is what we do and this is how we can help you. And it might be, a, you know, some of the same attributes might be shared with them, but there might be a complete set of other ones as well you want to talk about because they just simply know more about medicine. They can understand the language and the lexicon that you're speaking. But that might be more specific about what, so the diagnoses. Right. Urgent care, I can say, send me X, Y and Z diagnoses. These are the ones that I foresee you having difficulty with or even, I guess, ask them, what are your pain points? What are your diagnoses where you have patients that yep. you want to get seen quickly? What are what are they? And then X, Y, Z. Fine. Great. When you see those, you're struggling with them. Here's my office number. Send them over. Yep, exactly right. That You have to work that conversation out in your head before you go and talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then again, if you're trying to build a brand and if you are taking a step to do something a little bit more public and out there, you can't have one message that's public and one message that's private that contradicts each other. So you've got to have these things aligned. It's, there's got to be a thread that weaves through them somehow because, you know, doctors consume media. You know, it's, they're not, you know, there's no, there's no independent bubbles anymore. Yeah. Everybody's everything all the time. And so therefore, it's even more important, in my opinion, look, I'm a brand guy, I'm a marketer, so I'm going to say this, but it's even more important in these days with an explosion of media channels available to us to make sure that story, make sure you know what you want to say before you start to engage in these channels, because it gets so fast, so immediate, and quite honestly, can be so expensive. If you don't do it the right way, you, you just can't afford to get it wrong. Speaking of expensive, um, what about marketing materials, right? Pens, pamphlets, hand sanitizer. You know, one thing that I think we should have a ton of is pens with our practice's name on it. Because you go to the hospital and you will lose your pen. Now, the pen doesn't fall into a black hole. It goes somewhere, hopefully in someone's hand, 
And if enough of them, that will need your services at one point. So it's, it's, one, it's one way. And I think for my patients, we should have ENT and allergy, the neti pot or the saline uh, irrigation bottle, because we're constantly giving recommending these to our patients. So if they have them in our house, in their house, rather with the name of our company, you know, when they go reach to use it because they feel like they have a stuffy nose, they might think, oh, hey, wait a second. Maybe I should be making an appointment with this doctor. But, you know, they're also expensive. They're also finite in, you know, the amount of time that they'll last. So what, what is your thought on materials? Are they worth the cost? And what are the most effective ones? Pamphlets of information or those that are thrown away? Pens, you know, what's what's your perspective? They all have a moment, right? Everyone, every one of those you've mentioned has a David, moment. David, you're hedging again. Come on, take I a know. stand. I'm, what's a, the best I'm a consultant. One? I'm a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to me, to me, the, the the biggest thing you sit down again, thinking about who you're talking to, what's the, the best thing that they will sit up and take notice? What's the greatest thing that will add value to them? Right at the end of the day, if you if you see value in something, you're going to keep it. If someone gives me a pen and I don't really care about it, guess what? It is going to go in a black hole somewhere. I'm not going to look at it. But if you give me something that's useful, I I, I could actually go, wow, that that's really good. Now we've we've helped design some materials for a hospital that was taking some of the materials that were given out to first time expected mothers, and you look. <laughs> You look at some of this material and it's, you know, you know, 50 pages thick, small type. It's all over the place. It's confusing. So we made a double side poster. Just simple like, hey, this is your journey. Here's a number to call if something starts going wrong. And by the way, all of that other stuff's important, but, but here's something you can use to follow along with this a little simpler. So those are the sort of moments that you might, list, might listen. Now you threw out a good one, the saline bottle. If you know that people are constantly using that and it's a handy reference point, especially when they're going through something that you can help them with, that's a win. So that's good. So just always come back to the utility and what job is that thing that you're giving going to play in that patient's life or in, in whoever's life you're giving that pen to, that, that thing to? Is it something they're going to use and hang on to or is it something they're just going to go, oh, thank you very much, that's nice and forget about it as soon as they walk? So, like, like an optometrist who puts their name in your glasses case. Correct. Right? You need a place to put your glasses. And then, you know, years down the road, you need another pair of glasses. Oh, what was the name of that? place that I went to. Oh, wait, there it is on the inside of my glasses. Yeah, exactly. So the utility of the gift is very important to think about. Okay. And you've got to be a bit self-serving about that too. It's got to serve you as well as serve the pay, as serve the, the audience that you're putting it out to. Do you have any parting messages for our physician audience? <laughs> uh, thank you for everything you do. <laughs> um, that would be one. The second one is, you know, just, just have a real think about branding when you, when it comes to, comes to this. I know you're all busy, I know you've got so much on your plate about staying current with all the latest things that are happening in your world, regardless of the specialty you're in, but building your brand, building your reputation and understanding the world of communications that you, you will have to engage with if it's just helping your patients understand what, the, what you're saying to them. That's important. And communications is just becoming a much more prevalent part of all our lives. Uh, it's here to stay. It ain't going away. So just have a think about what it means for you, what it means for your practice and how you can do that to connect with the people that you can give the best value and advice to. Because at the end of the day, that's what counts, right? You want to put yourself in a position where you can do the skill set that you've trained for and are passionate about and do the best thing you can do for those patients. So how do we make that happen? And that's what communications can do. 
help you do what you like to do. Great. So where can people find you and where can people find ADK America? Uh, probably the easiest way to go is to go to the website. Uh, it's uh, health.adkamerica.com. You can find uh, a little bit about our organization and certainly my email and contact details are sitting right there. I'm just one click away. Great. David Lildergren, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.